You're listening to Inspirational Perspective with Linnell Harris. Inspirational Perspective is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. Are you living the best life possible? You can subscribe to the Inspirational Perspective blog at www.inspirationalperspective.com. Follow Linnell on social media. Go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also follow Linnell on Twitter and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. In this recording, Linnell continues his series on feeding your potential. In the second part, Linnell interviews his friend David Anderson. David Anderson shares how despite many odds, he met his potential. Let's join the conversation. I'm really excited and privileged and honored to have Mr. David Anderson in the studio with me this evening. So, David, how are you? I am awesome. Excellent. So, I want to tell you all who David is. David is the international president of Keep Global, and Keep Global is a green environmental products cleaning and consulting firm. And his organization has 10,000 employees, 24 locations worldwide. Give us a, a couple of the areas where Keep Global does business. Yeah, sure. So as Keep Global, as you were saying, is an environmental firm, particularly in products and massive, large commercial cleaning, as well as manufacturing. And so um, we have uh, 12,000 employees worldwide, 24 offices. And and where, where are those offices? Primarily, most of the offices are in the, what I call the, the eastern hemisphere of the world. So, okay. uh, you know, Japan, China, you know, and then also through other parts throughout Asia. So that's where most of the office is. And and moving west is, you know, North America, looking at uh, we got stuff going on in France and Brazil. So, yeah. All right. So that you guys know, when I say 24 locations worldwide, that's what I mean. You know, 24 locations. Yeah, 24 locations. Worldwide. <laughs> and, and he said mostly Eastern Hemisphere. So for those of you who are like, all right, Eastern Hemisphere, <laughs> difference between Western Hemisphere, this is the Western Hemisphere, where, where we are. <laughs> this is considered the Western Hemisphere, North America, South America. Uh, the Americas. And then if, if I were to say to you the Southern Hemisphere, then, you know, you're looking at Australia, Papua New Guinea. Yeah. So when yeah. he says Eastern, then you think Far East, Far, Far East. That's right. So a couple more things about David. He has been selected as a global shaper by the World Economic Forum and is a senior advisor to honorary consul to the country of Moldova. All right. So again, I told you guys I really wanted to have David in the studio. I hope you're beginning to understand why I thought he would be such a special guest for this audience. Now, let me keep going. I'm not done. Previously, David worked in investment banking at Goldman Sachs. And I might be getting ahead of us because I want to come back to how you even ended up doing that. And Mm -hmm. David's going to share a lot of his personal story this evening which I believe will resonate with a lot of you. But so David worked in investment banking at Goldman Sachs in New York and investment management at J.P. Morgan here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. While he did that, he was a part of the team that worked on a $5.6 billion portfolio. That's right. And previously, he co-founded School Loans 411. Now, I'm not done yet with this man's bio, and he's younger than I am, (laughs) okay? So, again, you know, just setting the tone for the credibility for what you all will hear this evening. So, previously, he co-founded School Loan 411, 
which is a student loan advisory firm. And he was also an aide in the executive office of the president at the White House for President Barack Obama. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, he he like he just did that like in the last eight years. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then he is a proud graduate of Chicago State University right here, a proud graduate of Chicago State University yeah. with honors and Harvard University's Explorations program. And he now sits on the board of America Needs You and resides with his beautiful wife right here in Chicago. All right. So for those of you who don't have the benefit of having the opportunity to see Mr. Anderson, like I said, Mr. Anderson is a few years my junior and has achieved so much. And he's a brown man just like me. Okay. (laughs) Because I know that's probably the next question I would have got from a, from a caller. Right, who is this guy? Is he one of us? Yes, he is. Okay, so I, uh, for those of us who are brown listening, because more than brown people listen, but I wanted to start with that, David. And, you know, so you and I have been mm-hmm. acquainted for some time. I, absolutely. I, I have the pleasure of calling you friend. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and a good friend at that. Yes. You know, and I'll start with this. On my show, I typically talk about the importance of your circle. Mm. And we'll finish off the night with David sharing his perspective on how you can feed your potential. But I, I want David to share his story because it's not the story that you think when I go through his bio. It's not the kind of story that you probably are imagining has happened for a man who has built this type of career and has done some of the things that Mr. Anderson has done. Yet he's here, yet he's accomplished these things. So I want him to share a little bit about how you feed your potential. But to start, I really want to hear from you the importance of the circle, the people who are in your circle. So I'm going to jump around a little bit because I want yeah, you to get yeah, to your sure, story. Absolutely, yeah. But, you know, like I said, David is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And I would say that David's in my circle. Matter of fact, if I have a great idea and, like, it's halfway baked and I can't figure out exactly how to get that idea from A to Z, David Henderson is the man I call. <laughs> and we've had plenty of those, plenty of those conversations. Those kind of conversations, right. So Absolutely. lately when I call, sometimes it goes straight to voicemail because you're yeah. in China. Yeah, <laughs> but outside right. of that, right. typically he's on the other end and he will pick up and we, we have great conversations. But, yeah. you know, share a little bit of your perspective around the importance of your circle. Thanks, Linnell. I mean, you're I don't know, obviously you're awesome. The radio audience here knows that, you know, what you have done and and kind of your paradigm towards life and everything. So I'm here tonight because of you and also because of, uh, you know, what you believe and stand for. As we look at talk about the circle. So let's talk about the circle. Yeah, the circle is paramount. And the reason why, right, is that there's that old saying, you know, bad company corrupts good character. Your mom and dad always tells you, you know, be careful who you hang out with. And the reason why they, you know, this is like an old adage, so to speak, or a proverb it's because your circle is who you get your 
ingredients from. Nice. Right? So if you're going to bake a, a cake, if you're going to create a great meal, whatever it may be, we always see the end result when we go to the restaurant. They bring out the great food from the great chef and you know the cuisine that we receive and eat and enjoy. But that cuisine is made from ingredients. Mm. And depending on the ingredients that go into the cuisine or, or the meal, that is predicated on the, on the outcome. So the people around you, the people that are closest to you, the people that you surround yourself with are constantly putting ingredients in your cake, in your meal, in who you are, right? And so if you got salty people around you, right, your meal may come out really, really salty. Uh-oh. Right? If you have spicy people around you, it may come out really, really spicy, right? If you have healthy people or healthy ingredients around you, your meal will come out very healthy. So it's really a practical thing of life. But, you know, the circle I would relate it to ingredients is those who are around you, they will affect how the product that is produced or the meal that is created. Wonderful. So in essence, what you're telling me is that if I keep inspirational people around me, then yeah. I'll produce inspiration. Absolutely. Wow. It would be hard not to because now, it's almost impossible to know. It's, it's, that's why misery loves company because it's hard to be miserable and right. other people around you are happy. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, now, now here's the thing. You know, there's right. a couple of questions I told David I would ask him. I didn't tell yeah. him I was going to ask that one. Yeah. I said all the time, I love the way you put that, the ingredients, mm -hmm. the ingredients. So let's get into your story, man, because sure. I, I, that's one of the most compelling things for me. So I went through your bio, you know, president of Keep Global. Yeah. International firm. Yes, right. Not, 12,000 employees. That's right. 24 locations worldwide. You've done stints at the White House. Mm -hmm. You currently serve as the senior advisor to the honorary consul for the country of Moldova, the yeah. whole country yeah. of Moldova, <laughs> right? You, you've been at Goldman Sachs. You've been yeah. at J.P. Morgan. Uh, you co-founded uh, an organization, a school loan, 411. You've done so much, and you've also worked at the White House under the president or the administration of Barack Obama. Right. President Barack Obama. And you went to school right here in Chicago at Chicago State University. Now, the first thing is, most people would say, in order for you to have achieved those things, mm -hmm. that you would have had to go to a, gone to an Ivy League school. Mm -hmm. So not only did you not go to an Ivy League school, but if I'm not mistaken, you also didn't go to a school here in Chicago in the suburbs mm -mm. or on the north side. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. you, you grew up right here mm -hmm. among the rest of us. Yeah. I grew up here in Chicago. I fast forward the story. I, so look, my mother was schizophrenic. She had paranoid schizophrenia, which happened when she had my little brother. So I was five years old. And the story I like to tell is that you know, my mother, God bless her. I love my mother to death. I take care of her today. But she was one of those people where I call. My mom has had, you know, she got the, the ticket of, of illness in life. But it really affected my family in so many different ways. Uh, if you ever dealt with schizophrenia or especially paranoia schizophrenia, it's a very hard thing to deal with. My dad, I think, tried to stay in there. But it was very, very difficult in the family. So, you know, we moved around a lot around Chicago and other places. And when my dad left, uh, we ended up kind of being parked in Harvey when I was uh, in about seventh grade. 
And anyone who knows Harvey, which sits right outside Chicago, uh, Harvey is not Naperville. Um, no, it's it, not. It is not uh, <laughs> what we call like, <laughs> I don't know if it's an urban, suburban. I don't know how you would, would name it. But, you know, I luckily enough, uh, my grandparents tried to give us some type of stability. But really, there was no guidance or direction for me. And especially as it came to education, no one in the family, like, you know, had a college degree per se or uh, people were pretty much blue collar. And so. When so I went, so so yeah. you're first generation. I'm I mean, first generation. You're first generation, absolutely graduate. Okay, that's right. All first right. generation, and so, man, I, I mean, long story short, you know, uh, matriculating through high school was was very very interesting for me because obviously the drugs, the gangs, the activity that I got involved. In. Actually, I, I lost. We had a a recent reunion about some stuff. I think I've lost about eleven friends that I grew up with to gun violence. Right, eleven um, wow. to gun violence that I, I knew personally. So, you know, I explain my wife and I we talk, and, and death is a very big reality for me um, that exists because I lost so many friends to you know gang activity, or gun violence. But you know, fast forward, got through high school and went off actually first to, to college here at University of Illinois, and my mom then came down with cancer, and so. Um, when she had leukemia, my grandparents obviously were a lot older and I had two younger siblings. And so at the age of 19, I just felt compelled to turn back and take care of my brother and sister and make sure that they also made it out. And they did they did not have early pregnancy. You know, my brother didn't become a victim of, you know, gang violence or whatnot. So at 19, I turned back and honest to God, I took over the household, worked at different odd jobs, Starbucks and everything else. I was going to parent teacher conferences. I was staying up to, you know, 11, 12, 1 and 2 in the morning, helping my sister catch up. I remember when I went back home. My sister was about 11 years old and my sister could barely read. Right. Wow. And so um, taking on that responsibility, I look back now and it's really what, you know, when you read the bio, the resume, it was really me turning back home and learning how to become a man for me that really helped me to achieve what I've achieved. And so I always look back and go, you know, going back home and taking care of family and learning how to be a man was a, a big part of that. Wow. So 19 years old. Yeah. Your mother is diagnosed with cancer, leukemia, mm-hmm. and you have to go back home. That's right. And now. That in itself, I mean, would take most people out. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, you come back home, you take care of your siblings, you pick up an odd and end job, and basically you live your life at effect of that decision mm-hmm. for the rest of your life. Yep. Uh, for, for the majority of us. So what had it go different for you? And, and to be very clear, when I say you live your life at effect is... There's two ways that we can go through life. And I've talked about this on the air before. But one can be at cause or being fully responsible for your life. Like fully responsible. No matter what, I am going to produce and create what I know I can create. I am going to meet my potential. Yes. Or you can say, well, if the circumstance is right, if my situation's are manageable, then I'll probably be able to do something with myself. Right. And that's what I call being a victim or <laughs> at effect, right? Yeah. Because a victim basically has their hands up, right? Yeah. You can't take any action with your hands up yeah. and you're basically at arrest of the situation that's what or you at arrest of the circumstance. You got it. You know, I, I don't have a job, I don't have money. I'm at arrest of the circumstance. And, and you basically say, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. And what you're saying is, 
in this horrible, terrible situation and you're 19 years old having to basically become a man, Mm -hmm. what did you do? We all have these defining moments in life, Linnell. And, and, and so for those are, who are out there in the radio audience, you can look back over your life, or you may be going through one of those right now. We have these defining moments, and those defining moments are those moments in life where you make a decision on what story you're going to tell yourself about your situation. And so I remember a, a big defining moment for me was that I was at the time, um, you know, we didn't have a vehicle or a car. I remember I called someone who I thought would be able to help us. And the person kind of denied me access to a vehicle. And I had to carry about, I don't know, let's say about 80 to 90 pounds of groceries home. And I had to walk about a, a mile or something like that. And it was 100 degrees outside. And I remember going to the store, getting the groceries, and things were tight for us. Things were very, very tight. I want I want the radio audience to know, honest to God, I remember a house of four, right? And I made about sixteen to eighteen thousand dollars a year. A household of four, right? That's that's how we were surviving, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember when I got to Goldman Sachs, my signing bonus was more than what I made in an entire year. Wow. Okay, so. Like, I understand both sides. I understand struggle, and I understand abundance. So I was carrying these groceries, 100-degree weather. I got to the house. And mind you, my mom had schizophrenia. It, it is a very difficult illness to deal with. So I got in, and I'm tired. I am I am beat. I mean, I feel like I'm going to, like, just fall out. 100 degrees outside. I walked a mile with, like, 90 pounds of groceries. And I got turkey bacon instead of pork bacon, Right. My mom came in in the room, in the kitchen, and uh, she picked it up, and she just started yelling, going off about the fact that I got turkey bacon instead of pork bacon and everything else. There's, remember, there's a lot of listeners are saying, what's wrong with that? Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, no, but you got to understand, uh, oh, yeah. the, you know, the, deal, dealing with this type of, dealing with this on a daily basis, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. paranoid schizophrenia, there's something, always something wrong. You're always doing something crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to the bathroom and just calling, uh, at that time, I you know developed some mentors. They'll call a mentor of mine and say, saying, look, I, I can't do this. This is just, this is absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm tired. I'm like up late. I'm, t- helping my, I'm t- teaching my sister how to read. I'm keeping my brother out of the streets. I'm taking care of my mom. We got doctor's appointments, this, that, and the other. Parent-teacher conferences I'm going to. Like, it's just too much pressure. It's too much weight. And I remember that mentor saying to me, David, I don't understand your path, but this, you stay in. If you can stay in there, this will make you more of a man, this would make you more of a human being than you ever, ever could know. And I remember at that moment saying, okay, I don't understand it, but I'm in the pressure cooker. I'm under the pressure, but I'm just going to stay still. I'm going to fight it out, and I'm going to continue to just believe in the process and continue to stay true to what I believe. Nice. So at the beginning of that, you said something that I thought was very important. I want to pull it back out. Sure. And what you said is the story you are going to tell yourself. You said you, you said it like this. What is the story you're going to tell yourself? Yeah. So here you are, 19 years old, taking mm-hmm. care of your siblings, mm-hmm. mom, very ill, mm-hmm. and you're under a tremendous amount of pressure. Mm-hmm. And instead of folding or saying, I give up, what you walked away with is, what is the story I'm going to tell myself. Yep. What is the story I'm going to tell myself? Now, for the listeners, 
if you are currently under pressure, if you are currently, you, you feel like you're in the pressure cooker, what is the story you're telling yourself? <laughs> what is the story you're telling yourself? Because if you're saying, I can't, you can't. If you're saying, I can, you will. And that's what I hear you saying. It's that that's simple. Right. So at 19 years old, you're home. And you decide, you know what, I, I need to get back into school. So you go to Chicago State University here in the city. Well, you're so yes, you're right, but actually I I kinda went to self school for a little while. <laughs> you're right. I'm 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 I am skipping a critical component. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So you went to self school. So tell us yeah. about this point, because I know you you had a point where you're down, right? Right. Yep. You had a point where you're down, mm-hmm. and then you make a decision. One of the things you said is that you had to choose the story that you would tell yourself. One of the things I know personally is that if you're not ingesting inspiration and motivation, you cannot stay inspired and motivated. No. So here you are in the fire. How did you stay inspired and motivated to the point where you would even want to go back to school? So I'll tell you what, what I did, and I won't give all the credit to myself. I give part of credit to, to a guy named Mark Yarnell, who was a, a great inspiration and help to me. There's a, many different people who inspired me. But I started reading, and I started reading, and I don't fabricate this. If you go to my library today, you would see them. I started reading somewhere between 10 and 15 books a month. And what I would do was I, w- I would go to actually the, the borders or whatever it was on the train at that time when the borders was around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they used to have these. Um, obviously, I didn't have a lot of money, so I would always buy the books that were like old books, right? Two dollars, three dollars, five dollars, whatever it was. And I just used to take 50 bucks and I used to buy every book I could. I, I was reading history, religion economics, you know, people's stories, autobiographies, right? I read the autobiographies of, you know, whether it was Lincoln, you know, Rockefeller, Carnegie, just reading things and understanding how people, other people made it. How, how did the world work, right? How did things happen and how did things um, um, develop? And so how, how did we get here, right? How mm-hmm. did this current civilization, how was this created, right? And so I started to read 10 to 15 books a month and I did that and I kid you not, I, I read at least 10 to 15 books a month for about five years straight, four to five years straight. Wow. At least. Wow. At least. Yeah, you got me beat. I thought yeah. I thought I did some reading when I was that age. Yeah. Nah, not quite. Yeah. So <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm there and I'm feeding myself obviously inspiration, information, but I'm learning and I'm putting the pieces together. And and luckily, what happened to me, um, and that's why what's in your mind. People always talk about, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't have the, you know, I wasn't born in the right family. I wasn't, you know, given the right opportunity. There's all these excuses you can can make up. But the one thing I know is that. You know, you decide not only what story you're going to tell yourself, but you decide what story you're going to create for yourself. Right. So I just had this determination and I said, you know, my current situation will not be my future. And so I found a lot of inspiration through reading. And I met some people. I met a guy who was starting a law firm, Ernest Fenton. Randomly, he he had went to Harvard Law School. Hey, I, hey that's yeah. WVON's Ernest Fenton, by the that's way. That's right, WVON's Big Ernest Fenton. Big shout out Fenton. to Ernest that's if right. he's listening. That's right, Ernest Fenton. And um, 
Uh, he was in the no local neighborhood running for office. I saw his background. I'm like, wow, this guy went to Harvard Law School. He did that. And I remember telling him, he said uh, to me to this day, he said, I didn't believe when he, I told him this. I said, man, I want to go to Harvard. And he said, oh, you do? Whatever. He was like, so what school do you go to? I'm like, I'm not in school. And <laughs> he said to he says to me now, he just like, I looked at you like, you must be as dumb as a box of rocks. How are you going to go to Harvard? You're not even in school, right? <laughs> so, but long story short, it wasn't that, but it was the dream, right? It wasn't that, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't a uh, being a victim of my present circumstance. I was dreaming and believing. And so, anyway, I had a chance to help him start and reboot his law firm out of his house. We, we moved to like four locations, built a million-dollar law firm in a couple years, and I had that experience. And then I decided to go to school. And... Uh, Went to Chicago State University. I never forget. I went to the career development person because I was studying finance and economics, and I wanted to go to the best firms that develop people in finance and economics. And that was, you know, Goldman Sachs and J.P. Morgan. And I went to this guy and said, "Hey, I want to go to, you know, I heard about this place called Goldman Sachs. Mind you, see, I don't know the rules, right? Right. Right. right? See, I didn't know the rule that all oh, you had to go to, you know, Ivy League to go there. I didn't know that. So, long story short, this guy says to me, he says, David. Hey, I'm sorry to tell you the bad news, but you went to the wrong school, right? And what do you mean? He's like, well, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait. Okay, so all right, all right, go ahead. You you finally decide to go back to school, yep. And you go back to school with this dream of working for one of the top financial firms in the country, right? Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan. That's right. You go to school and say, I'm going to study finance. That's right. And accounting. Yeah. And you're sitting with your career counselor. The director of the career development office. The, the director of the career development office. And what does he say to you? He says, sorry, David, you went to the wrong school. They don't recruit from here, and it's not possible. So, in essence, he told you you can't. He said you can't do it. You That's can't right. do it. Yep. How many times have you heard that since then? Oh my God! I hear, I hear. I, hear. I, I, I almost, I don't even, don't, I don't know if I even hear it hey, anymore. Hey, hey. It's a, it's, it's a turn on for me now. When people, when, when people say, Linnell, I don't think you can do, I, you can't do that. It's almost like what? <laughs> really? Don't tell me what I can't do, <laughs> man. No, I know, I know. I the know. steam, the power, your dreams. Yeah, that's right. So, Goldman Sachs is on your resume, though. It is. So how'd that happen? So. Left that meeting, obviously a little bit discouraged because, you know, I didn't know the rules. This guy had worked at Notre Dame. He had worked at Duke University, some very you know good schools. And he told me that one or two people from there would get in a year. So, But if you want something bad enough, you will find out a way to do it, right? So what I did, very simply, they didn't recruit from Chicago State, but they did recruit from Northwestern, and they recruited from University of Chicago. So I just went to their recruiting events. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, one of the conversations I had with the listening audience is about possibility. Oh, I love it. I love it. So how do you relate to your own possibility? Yeah. And often we get stopped. We get stopped by you can't. We get stopped by I'm not in the right place. These are the rules. These are the rules. Yeah. This is not how it goes. Mm-hmm. So it. It can't be possible for me. And what you just told me is that because the rules weren't working in your favor, you basically broke the rules. Because I I don't know if there's a rule or not, but I don't think guys from Chicago State are supposed to go to Northwestern's career fairs. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, they're not supposed to technically, I guess. Tech, I mean, technically, if you if you're a rule follower, <laughs> right? Yeah. And here's the, here's the funny thing, man. It, you know, when we talk about breaking the rules, typically we think, man, oh man, you got to do something wrong or illegal. <laughs> you're just breaking the rules by I'm going to go where I can be seen by the people I want to work for. What happened? So I went there, and a couple of things happened. One was that the recruiting folks from from Goldman Sachs, it was kind of interesting. I think about it now, I'm like, wow, that was actually kind of, I guess, kind of smart. But they saw me at both events. <laughs> and they're like, who is this kid? You don't even, like, what are you doing? But it got their attention, yeah. you know? And I went through the process. I went through 11 interviews and the whole, you know, extraneous interview process with, with Goldman. And, I mean, long story short, I got in. And... Um, and your signing bonus was the same amount of money you had made in a year. Yeah. Working how many jobs? Uh, I was working like two jobs trying to, you know, figure it all out. I mean, just side jobs. Starbucks here. I was working, you know, doing construction cleanup here. You know, just side right. jobs. Right. You know, trying to make, you know, make it. That's crazy. Money. So you're at Goldman Sachs. Yeah. So you went from Goldman right. Sachs to right. J.P. Morgan. That's right. Yeah. From J.P. Morgan. To the White House. To the White House. That's right. How'd that happen? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you talk about your circle, right? And I met a guy. I'll never forget it. His name is actually Robert Refkin. Actually, it's funny. I talked to Robert today. And uh, I met him, and he was a, a White House fellow. And I remember going, wait up, dude. You worked at the White House? Right? And I never forget what he said. He said, yeah, you can work there, too. And you believed him. And I believed him. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I love it. I mean, well, that's man. So now you're taking me back to maybe a year or so ago. I did a show. Yeah, believing you can. Yeah, believe you can. Believing you can, man. Yeah. Faith in ourselves. It's huge. And you, you're hitting so many components. So many components right now. Okay, so Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, White House, right. And I had the privilege of meeting you before you became the president of Keep Global. That's right. So you were at the White House, Mm -hmm. and that comes to an end, Mm -hmm. and you decide to start or co-found a company. Tell us a little bit about School Loan 411. Yeah, School Loan 411, I saw when I was at the White House, I saw this need where the president was passing all these measures to help people with student loan debt, but there was a conflict of interest in the market with the loan servicers and the consumers. So loan servicers inherently have a conflict of interest with student loan borrowers. And so you want to pay off your student loans and they don't want you to pay off your student loans because they make more money, right? Mm -hmm. The longer you have the loan and because the loan is guaranteed, they really don't want you to pay it off because they get a big lump sum payment at the end of your life if you die because it's guaranteed by the government. So um, they want you stuck with that debt forever. So we, we created a firm effectively to help people pay for their life and not just their student loans and, and get out of student loan debt. And it, it's a high demand. It was low supply. And uh, we figured out the whole system to help people get out of student loan debt. And we're saving people, you know, an average $40,000. And I think I met you right when we were probably about, I don't know, eight months in. We sat down and I remember we sat down and had dinner that night. And uh, as I was developing uh, the firm and, you know, we've served thousands and thousands of people now um, helping people with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I re- remember meeting you. And yeah. I remember, so how I, I, let me tell you, talk, talk about your circle. Yeah. How I met David was through my wife, Pam. Yeah. 
And it's funny because Pam says now, like, how you guys better friends than me and David were? And, <laughs> and you met Pam at Chicago State, right? That's right. Well, I mean, yeah, I met Pam to a friend at Chicago State, yeah. Yep, okay. So you and Pam stayed friends. Yep. Pam and I got together, got engaged. Mm-hmm. And when we first got together, that's when we met shortly after that. That's right. Yep. But again, circles. That's right. I mean, circles. Yeah, circles. And so... Um so yeah, I did that and, and built a great firm and it's been, it's been wonderful. And, um, and then long story short, as I've been working a lot in the global markets and, and global things, you know, global opportunities show up and, um, you get a chance to take advantage of it. And that's why I got to where I am today. So I want to talk a little bit about global markets because mm-hmm. you and I both have quite a bit of global experience. That's right. You know, so I, as most of the, li- the listeners know, I've had the opportunity to live in different countries, work in different countries. And you say something compelling about what you believe is available in the global market. Mm-hmm. And I want to take this call real quick, and then I want to chat a little bit about that. And also, stay tuned, because I'm going to have David close by sharing how he feeds his potential. But first, Mark, how are you, man? You're on the air. Hey, how you doing, Linnell? I'm and well. your guest? Yes, how are you? Hey, I'm a former, uh, I'm also a Chicago State student as well. I'm in the realms of uh, the social work department now. Yes. And, um, hey, this, I was kind of, I was sleepy, kind of knocked out. And um, when I was listening to you all talk, this just woke me up. And it's just like, if you got a strong passion, you know, you just keep focused. But during the interim, you have to do whatever you need to do in order to survive. And, you know, when you told, when you was, talking about the um, your testimony about actually going to these, uh, these events, you know, that was just something that you had to do in order to stand out, you know, and I don't see nothing wrong with that. But I just want to say, man, you know, you very, that testimony actually motivated me, and I'm just going to keep on doing what I got to do. So, Oh, man. Thanks for man, sharing that, Mark. It's great to hear, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Awesome. That's exactly the reason why I told you all I wanted to have David Anderson on the show. Y'all, y'all know I'm, I'm not playing. Like, if if I make a big deal about somebody, <laughs> it's the real deal. This brother is the real deal. And the funny thing, I've been knowing David for quite a while, and I hadn't until last week when I had the opportunity to hear your whole story. I was like, wait a second. This bro remind me of myself, but it's but his story is like way deeper than mine. I mean, I got a little bit of stuff, but goodness, I mean, I overcame you know a, a few things, but I mean, you overcame some serious obstacles. So wonderful stuff. So David, I want to talk about the global marketplace, but before I talk about the global marketplace, I want to make sure that our listeners have an opportunity to really get your full essence in what you have to offer. So there's three things I'd like to get in the next 10 minutes. The first is you have this concept called the three E's. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear you explain that to our listeners. And then you have another concept you call CPR. Mm-hmm. And I, I love for the listeners to have the opportunity to hear that. And then third, I love for them to hear how you feed your potential. Mm-hmm. Um, how does someone who has a job at Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, leave, decide to go to the White House, leave the White House, decide to start a business, go from that business to becoming president of multinational, international organization? 
there's a lot of risk involved. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, right. there's a lot of risk involved. Yeah. You know, at Goldman Sachs, you had it. I mean, you could you could still be there. I go, I, I go back to finance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Go, yeah. So go back, make a quarter mil, half a mil, mil, whatever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no. I mean, he's not playing. I mean, I heard it put. I had the privilege of hearing. Um, uh, what's her name? Stacy. I can't remember her full name. Yeah. But she was the uh, president. Um, act, I think she served as president at Merrill Lynch mm-hmm. um, or CFO at Merrill Lynch. And mm-hmm. then she became the, C- the CEO of a couple of other financial firms. Mm-hmm. But one of the things she said is, if you want to make money, Wall Street is a place to go. Because if you're mediocre, you can still pull one to two million a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, <laughs> if you're mediocre. Yeah, that's pretty. If you're mediocre, yeah, you can yeah. run middle of the pack, one yeah. or two million dollars a year. Yeah, you can still do it's it. It's nuts. Well. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, all right. Yeah. So, yeah. three E's. All right, so three E's. The three E's, what, what I call, and about ed- it's really about ed- education and what happens. So, if you're listening, you know, stop. I, I'm serious when I say this. Grab a pen and paper, right? And I want you to write this down, okay? The three E's, your experiences, your exposure, Right. And your expectations. These three E's are the things that really develop you in life. Right. It develops your what I call it. It is, it is your education. Right. Because it is the thing that you grow into, the things that you will understand. So obviously your experience. Right. It's just your past. Everything else. Things your exposure, your exposure is the present. It's the current situation you're in that you're giving yourself the opportunity for. Yes. Your circle. Your circle. That's your right. circle. Yeah. I, I can't. Keep going, man. I can't yeah. stress it enough. Yeah. Who, who you're hanging out with yeah. has a huge impact on you. Keep going. That's right. So experience your exposure and then your expectations. Because as I read, like I said, I've read dozens and hundreds, thousands of books. You know, it is a person's expectation, right, that creates their future. Like, you know, President Barack Obama, I was talking to a friend of mine early on before he became, you know, well known as U.S. Senator. But he said he went, he went to a fundraiser once with President, um, at the time, Senator Barack Obama, and he was talking about running for president. And he, I never forget, he, he told me, um, it was actually Randall Pinkett, the guy who won okay. The Apprentice yeah. Yeah. season four with mm-hmm. Donald Trump. And he said, I was sitting there, and he said, this guy really believes he can win. Man. So Marty Nesbitt told me the story and Marty's his best friend. Yeah. And basically he said that he told him in confidence that, hey, I believe I could be. And he he looked at him and he said, he's not playing. (laughs) But but, but your expectation. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's move to CPR because we're running out of time. Absolutely. So CPR. CPR means. One is to, this is about your dreams. So with, with your dreams, you have to perform CPR. And what that means is you got to commit first, right? You have to protect second, and then you have to run. Commit, protect, and then run. What am I running towards? Right. What am I, what am I doing? What am, what am I running at? Well, you have to run because there are thousands of people that have dreams, right? And the reality is that you have to, like, go get yours. So part of... The protecting is if I commit to something, then I have to protect it. Right. And then it's like carrying a ball. I got to run with it. That's right. Take, I, I like that. Take yeah, action. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that. It's like carrying a ball. It's like having football. Absolutely. Because people want to take it. Man. So what David is saying is so true. I had this idea at the end of the year for an app. Mm-hmm. Got the idea. Went to the attorney. 
By the time the attorney got back to me, she was like, it just got patented six months ago. Oh, wow. Now, I was a little behind. Uh-huh. But I was close. <laughs> I was. I was close. Yeah, that's good. And what you're saying is yep. commit, yep. protect, and then run. Protect, run. protect your dream like that's it's right. a football. That's right. And then run towards the goal. That's right. And act today. Stop Stop procrastinating. Stop. I do it. Just just get it done. Just do it. Like, you know, fill out the application. Start to call the attorney. Start to do whatever you need to do. Right. Build the business. Just I, I, I tell my staff now with different things. I'm like, look, just get out there. Like, you will figure it out. Right. But you got to move. And people, they get into that mode. I got to figure it all out first. No, you will never. never. This is life. You will never figure out life. Let me give you. A, 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 you will never figure it all out. So you got to just move. So run. Towards the dream. Yes. Nice. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. Let's talk about Keep Global real quick. Absolutely. And then I'll, you know, a snippet on how you feature potential. So yeah. give us the 60 second version of how you got. How does a. Yeah. You sure. mind if I share your age? Yeah, sure. 30. <laughs> the 30 years old, y'all. Like, I, I, 30 years old. I'll take a picture of the brother right now in the studio and post it to my Facebook. I mean, 30 years old. Okay. How does a 30-year-old African-American man become the president of an international organization with 12,000 employees, 24 locations worldwide? Because, um, well, I, I, I almost feel like I want to cry when I say this, because what I realized when I was 19, I started reading those books, is that what's in you can overcome what's on the outside of you, right? So although I may be 30, although I may be African-American, although I may, you know, have come from poverty and all these different things, what's in me now, right, is Lincoln, Rockefeller. What's in me is Carnegie. What's in me is, right, so that's that's what's inside of me, right? Ladies and gentlemen, this is what people who only see things on the outside call luck. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I've had people tell me, Linnell, you're just lucky. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. I wish Linnell, it was that easy. I wish it was that easy. And what they don't see is thousands of books. <laughs> I mean, am I right? Yeah, that's right. And, and when preparation meets opportunity, opportunity. Yep. this is what you get, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. When preparation meets opportunity this is what you get what should you be preparing for right now right now that you don't know is coming and if you're not prepared you won't even know it was there this episode of inspirational perspective was recorded at the midway broadcasting corporation in chicago illinois on wvon 1690 am the talk of chicago thank you for listening Go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at the handle Linnell Harris. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with that handle. Text INSPIRED to 43783 to receive free inspirational quotes and updates.